You're listening to an Anderson Entertainment production. This episode, we're getting real with our wardrobe in Fab Facts. We're being prescribed plenty of carrots in the randomizer. And roving reporter David Monday has the scoop on all things Anderson. Oh, I can't wait. That's all coming up in Pop 166. Hold the front page of the Jerry Anderson podcast. Let's get started. Let's go. Spectrum is green. The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson and Richard James. It's the Jerry Anderson it, podcast. Yeah. It's been a while. You haven't done that for a while, yeah. It? It's probably for the yeah. best, though. So, uh, oh. anyway, that okay. sung intro was performed by resident entertainer uh, and podcast host with the most, Richard James. Hello. And that introduction to the podcast host with the most, Richard James, was by Jamie Anderson. <laughs> uh, and over there, oh, yeah. carefully, is he? Oh, he's cold pressing fruit to make a lovely he- juice. He is, isn't he? But they don't well, look like some of that later. they don't look like terrestrial fruits to me. No, what is that? Are they from what is that weird stuff? Are they from Kestra by any chance? Do you but, think? Are they? Oh, he's got he's got some lanta eggs. Uh, oh, I'm not sure I fancy Ooh. lanta egg juice. No. Anyway, hmm. over there making lanta egg juice rather weirdly yes. is Chris Dale. Uh, there he is, him of randomizer fame, which makes him the randomizer. Uh, Apparently. And he'll be here later on with the Jerry Anson Randomizer, where he randomly watches a random episode of a random Jerry Anson show <laughs> and saliently says smart things with his Jerry Anson wisdom. Yes. True. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm just not keen on the colour of that juice that's no, coming out there. That's horrible lurid green, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Anyway, mm. what else have we got coming up in the podcast to distract us from Chris's egg juice? <laughs> well, in reversed order, first yes. of all, we say goodbye and thank you for listening. We will Prior do. to that, we would have just heard from Chris Dale with his randomizer, but before that, we'll have the second part of Jamie's interview with David Monday. Oh yes. Uh, just prior to that, just a little bit mind, we'll have some news from the Jerry Anderson universe because, of course, there's always something new happening in the world of Jerry Anderson. But before all of that, fab facts, in which Jamie Anderson flicks through a book of fab facts and picks a fact which he reckons might be quite fab. And interspersed throughout all of the aforementioned, our lovely podstrons have been in touch. Uh, they've been uh, hashtagging us Jerry Anderson Podcast on Twitter. They've been posting on our Facebook group. And they've been emailing us at podcast at jerryanderson.co.uk. Yes, goodness me, the one thing you forgot was the hilarious post-podcast banter Ah, that you and I have after Ah, closing titles. True. But that's that's true. Yeah. It's a a little bonus for anyone who makes it that far, which... um, it won't be many of you, to be fair. Mm, uh, yeah. Now, <laughs> Richard <fast>. James. <laughs> yes. I would very much like to give you a fab fact. Would you accept oh, one? Yes, please. As long as it's fab. Um, okay, I'll try and guarantee it. Here we go. Now, time for this week's fab facts. Fab facts, mm-hmm. which are always fab. I don't think we've ever had a faux pas of a fab fact, um, have we? Uh, there was that one about the uh, Martin Landau's wig, which I don't think was 
Oh, no, I made that up, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you did. The Shatner's nice. bassoon and all that. That's stuff. right, yes, yes. No, no, no. This is Fab Facts, where every week we give you a fact, which is fab from the walls of Jerry mm-hmm. Anderson, mm-hmm. from a book of fab facts that I have here. Oh, yeah, there it is. That was me giving a little slap. But right. uh, for this, I won't be slapping it. I shall be flicking through it. Richard will shout fab. And on the page where I stop when he shouts fab, there will hopefully be a fab fact. Richard, are you ready to shout fab for me? Go on, then. Here we go. Fab! Ooh. Hmm? Gosh. I hey? think it's a career-spanning one. <laughs> Is it? Right. Oh, well, yes. It's my career. It won't last very long. Uh, yeah. And that's the end of this week's uh, hey! Fab Facts. Uh, no, no. It, it, this, is, uh, this is slightly different. Uh, right. Okay. Here we go. Today's Fab Fact, as I've already said, spans the decades of Dad's career with puppets. Uh, uh, and it concerns a wardrobe assistant. Oh, right. Zena Ralph. Zena mm-hmm. was one of the many creative people hard at work behind the scenes at AP Films, later Century 21, creating the incredibly detailed miniature worlds that we see on screen. Zena was first introduced to the productions through her good friend, Christine Glanville, oh, who yes. she met in the 1950s. Lovely, lovely Christine, yeah. dearly missed. In an interview with SIG magazine, she remembered visiting the set of Torchy the Battery Boy and eventually oh. being called in to help with production of the costumes for Fireball XL5. Possibly around the time of the filming of Prisoner on the Lost Planet. <laughs> Not oh, sorry, that one. Prisoner on the... Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, too, sorry. too early. Um, when the wardrobe mistress Betty Coleman was temporarily taken ill, that's the reason she was brought in, uh, ah. she worked as a floor puppeteer on Stingray, ensuring the puppet's movements were smooth from below, while other puppeteers worked overhead. Famously or infamously, she also brought her dashend Fred to the studio. Is, that, is it Dachshund oh. or dashend? Because I, I say oh, them I interchangeably. It's, yes, exactly. It's either or, I think. Okay. Is it Fred or is it Freed? <laughs> well, I mean, that's, yeah. she also brought her dachshund Fred to the studio. Uh, right. Fred would occasionally cause disturbance when overtime oh, was needed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Perhaps he needed a tea break. Uh, that was a tea with a tea. Anyway, Zena's biggest challenge came on Thunderbirds when she became dressmaker for none other than Lady Penelope. Ah, oh, hello. Yes. This job required setting up on a lot of fashion magazines like Vogue uh, to keep up with the very latest styles. Great. It also required a lot, of, a lot of conversations with Sylvia and Betty Coleman about what sort of costumes would be needed. Interestingly, Lady P's outfits were nearly always made from real and not synthetic fabrics. This meant that polyester, nylon and PVC were out and cotton, wool and silk were very much in. These materials allowed the puppets a greater range of movement and draped convincingly to make the wearer appear more human because of the scale of the folds and that kind of thing. These costumes were removable and interchangeable rather than permanently sewed in place. And the secret to their success, according to Xena, treating the puppets like characters rather than dolls. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zena left the team sadly after union disputes but did return to work on Terrorhawks where over 200 costumes were made amazing she sadly passed away in 2015 but her legacy lives on through her amazing work on screen so yeah. uh, yes here's to you Zena now I'm pretty sure that Zena worked on quite a few commercials and bits and pieces for dad in the late 80s and early 90s when I was hanging around Shed 11 on, at uh, Pinewood Studios Oh, yes. And she did a lot of stuff with with Christine there, creating lots of costumes, and they were always doing very fine work, amazing stuff. Mm. And actually, I think 
that this is a very random fact. I'm pretty sure she made the coat worn by Dom, the Domestos bottle, in the stop motion right. ad did, that Dad did for Domestos, where the bottle was armatured and made by Richard Gregory. And I yes. remember her making the buttons for the coat, right, and painting on little holes in the button where they was where they would have been oh, sewed yeah. on. Yeah. The <laughs> finest work. Yeah. And I've still got that coat, and it is beautifully made. I'm, pr- I'm almost oh. certain that was even that made it. Anyway, there you go. Sort of from That's the world of Jerry Anson slash bathroom hygiene. Isn't that nice? And as you say, the great thing is their work lives on every time we watch a Jerry Anderson story episode series. It's right there, isn't it? It All is. All up on screen. In H Blooming D as well. That's right, yeah. That's so, very nice. There you are. Uh, here's to you, Zena. Thanks for your fine work and the rest of the team, of course. And uh, nice to have that little fab fact there. Yeah, uh, yes, here's the thing. Uh, we are very often here, don't we, of some of the puppets, you know, turning up having been in private hands and they turn up in auctions and so on. Is there a collection of costumes anywhere that we know of? Um, I think that the V&A has some costumes from the Christine Glanville collection. Ah, uh, right. Nice. But otherwise, I think there are a few collectors who've got bits and pieces. But yeah. for the most part, I guess they wouldn't have survived as, as well yeah. as the puppets because they were so much easier yeah. to throw out or recycle or refit for later yeah. puppets, that kind of thing. So nice. they are around. And there's definitely a collector in Slough, I'm pretty sure, who's got a little collection of... Okay. Um, of brains outfits in particular i think great so anyway there you go yes they're nice. around and if you've got one email us podcast at jerryanson.co.uk yeah but for now i think that's the end of this week's wardrobe fact, fact. Oh, oh wardrobe and frock a, yes well it's the alliteration isn't it that i was frock going fact's for frock much fact. better yeah. yeah it's almost yeah, like, like you, you think about these things anyway oh, i was thinking do, about it as you were talking yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, now uh <laughs> Here's something I haven't said for a while. Please do subscribe to us on whichever platform you're listening to us on. It really does make a difference if you leave us a lovely review as well or a rating and copy and paste that uh, URL or the link into all your social medias so maybe your friends will get to listen to us too. Also, get in touch. Podcast at jerryanderson.co.uk for now. Yes, before uh, we go yep. .com in a bit. That's it. For example, Craig uh, got in touch to say, Dear Jamie and Richard, hmm... Uh, he says, not for the first time, listening to one of your podcasts has inspired me to do something. Oh, that's good, isn't it? <laughs> Turn off the podcast player. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Uh, you may remember, says Craig, a couple of weeks ago, Jamie mentioned that he once sat in a full-size Thunderbird 1 pilot seat in Japan. I and did. it was once a consideration for something to be produced as merchandise. Well, I don't remember that. That would be quite a big package to fit through a letterbox, wouldn't it? Hmm. He says, well, I have decided to have a go at creating one. It'll take a few months to complete and it will not be a perfect copy as some things will not scale up and it also has to be reasonably practical to make and use. If I fail to create something worthwhile, it'll be an expensive failure and you won't hear from me again. Should I succeed, I will let you know how I got on. I just thought you might like to know. That's kind awesome. Regards, thanks for what you do, Craig, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, can't wait to see that, Craig. Good luck with it and I'm sure you'll do a yeah. stellar job because I've seen some of your other, other model stuff that you've done. And perhaps if it's a successful build, then maybe we could do something and get it into the well, the lobby at the Moxie in Slough. How about that? Exactly. That'd be cool. Wouldn't it? That'd be a great exactly. photo opportunity. Oh, Something lovely! Like that would be wonderful. Yeah. Uh, Spyros got in touch to say, "Dear JA and RJ." Ah, nice. Uh, yeah. Here are some people I and I would think most Podstrons would like to hear interviewed. In fact, they're so obvious to be interviewed, it's surprising they haven't been yet. For example, Matt Zimmerman has been. 
We've had him on. Gabriel Drake. Gabrielle Drake, she doesn't want to talk. We've asked her before. Wanda Ventham. Uh, Wanda is extremely busy and is quite private these days, but I I have asked her and she said if we can get together at the end of the year, then she might. Okay, Prentice Hancock. Uh, Prentice, hmm, yeah, that's Mm. an interesting one, maybe. Yes, Uh, Brian Johnson. Uh, We've invited Brian and a couple of tech problems have prevented anything so far, but who knows, Ah. hopefully in the future. Okay, well, all good suggestions. Thank you for those. Um, I did see over on Twitter that uh, Michael J. Straczynski yes, uh, was uh, getting involved in conversations with uh, about puppetry and so yes. on. Yes, uh, Mr. He, Babylon uh, 5. That's right, yeah. So uh, he might well be an interesting guest as well. You know, not that we uh, sort of have a hotline to him, but you never know. Uh, Dean got in touch. Hi, Richard, he says. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. Nice. Thanks, Dean. Uh, Cheers. <laughs> I got all excited for a minute in this, this week's podcast with the mention of limericks, thinking they might get an airing. Hey, I can dream, he says. Anyway, remember a while back I mentioned my son composed a musical for The Fringe in 2019 called Tokyo Rose, and one song had an Anderson inspiration. Yes, Dean, I do remember that. Uh, well, he continues... It's been picked up for a UK tour. Southampton, London, Leicester, Newbury, Oxford and Birmingham so far, and they just recorded the soundtrack album. So when it's released, I'll let you know the connection. It's not much, but it's nice to know it's in there. Well, that's nice, isn't it? Thanks, Dean. Do let us know a bit more when you can. And finally, Ian got in touch to say, Hi, chaps. First of all, it was lovely to hear Richard read out my Facebook post thanking you for allowing me to join the group and my comments about how much it helped me through lockdown and shielding by watching and listening to all things Jerry Anderson. He says, I think Richard hit the nail on the head when he mentioned how many people, or rather how people, sometimes go back to childhood favourite shows during troubled times. It certainly reminds me of better times. Anyway, says Ian, the reason for my email was to ask whether any more of the Jerry Anderson shows might be added to BritBox anytime soon. I'm specifically thinking of Terror Hawks, Space Precinct, and New Captain Scarlet. I guess there isn't much point asking about Journey to the Far Side of the Sun and the two Thunderbirds movies, as they're owned by MGM, I think, so very unlikely to ever make it to BritBox. I found myself watching the shows more via this streaming service now, because I could simply plug in my headphones... I'd watch on my laptop or tablet and completely immerse myself in the shows, which really is a fun way to watch them. Thanks from Ian. Ian, where have you been? We have announced that Terrorhawks is coming to BritBox in August. That's that's now, any day now, it'll be there. And that may well pave the way for future stuff. And there's other stuff, actually, which is currently being agreed to bring other Anderson stuff, including Ah. something new to BritBox, possibly, maybe. Really? Yeah. So, okay. you know, yeah. keep an eye. Look, look, follow us on social and make sure you're keeping yeah. an eye on our tweets and stuff. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yes, I think from the 16th maybe of August, it's going to be on there, Terrorhawks in HD. Nice. Enjoy. Yeah, lovely. Uh, all for now, but do uh, send your emails into podcast.jerryanderson.co.uk and I shall endeavour to read more out next week. I can't wait. Oh, good. <laughs> However, while mm-hmm. we do wait, yep. we should probably do the rest of the podcast, which includes oh, okay. next... The Jerry Anderson News. <gasps> Here it comes. <sighs> Done. This is the Jerry Anderson Pod 166 News. 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 
news. News. Yep, that's news. us right here news. with the. All right, Richard, thank you. Milking it there. Sorry. It's the milky, milky, milky newsy news, 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 isn't yeah. it? Yes. Hashtag. <laughs> that's a long hashtag. Anyway, <laughs> uh, let's start the Jerry Ann's news with this marvelous tidbit. So let's start with Stingray. Stingray, Ooh. Stingray. I can't help myself. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, a teaser from Operation Ice Cap is now available on the YouTube channel. Uh, there'll be more teasers coming over the next week or so. It's all sounding, well, rather marvellous, I think. Well, hear for yourself. Uh, if you have ordered the digital version, it will be out very, very soon. I'm thinking in the next few days. If you've ordered the CD or book version, we're looking at two to three weeks' time. I should say by the end of October, we're very much hoping to have synced up the digital and physical releases. It's just down to production challenges and timelines and wanting to get this stuff out to you as quickly as possible, but being slightly held back by shipping international stuff. Yeah, we don't want to say the B word, do we? But you know what I mean. Uh, five Star Five, the five CD set is almost ready to and should be shipping in the next one to two weeks. So that's very exciting. Eagle One from Eagle Moss finally touches down this week. It arrives at the port and it'll be with us very, very soon. We have less than a hundred of those remaining from our pre-order allotment and we don't think we're going to be able to get any more. So if you want to grab one, look up Eagle Moss Eagle One on the Jerry Anderson store. And um, yes. Oh, in fact, I tell you what, by now, Mm -hmm. you may be finding it difficult to access the Jerry Anderson store, possibly because we are moving to .com. So uh, Richard and I are going to have to try very hard, aren't we, Richard? Oh, I hope so. To remember to say shop.jerryanderson.com. But for now, it'll work either way and you should be okay. And coming up, Space 1999 fans, we are going to be starting to talk about the upcoming Mm -hmm. utterly glorious Moonbase Alpha Technical Operations Manual. Oh, yes. It is amazing. And I can tell you that the few people that have seen preview pages from this uh, incredible book have been completely blown away. Much, uh, well, it's long awaited, very much overdue, and I think you're going to absolutely love it. More on that in the next few weeks. Uh, But for now, that's the end of this week's Jerry Anderson News. That was the news. Exciting news. It was... Was and it always will be very exciting yeah. every week. That's the that's the that's trick true. here. We've always got something to tell you about. Yeah, absolutely. Now, talking of exciting, I think there's something lacking from the podcast. And I think there was something lacking from the podcast last week too, Jamie. Was there? And I think maybe we should rectify that at once. Well, it's been a couple of weeks, hasn't it, since we had your offering of Six Degrees of Anderson. Oh, yeah. Mm. Go on, then. Oh, what, you want another one? Well, yeah. Oh, I see. Right. Okay. If it's not too much to ask. Oh, no, no. It's absolutely fine. I would like you to, this week, link a salmon. What? Yes. A a salmon. Yes. You know, one that swims up up rivers, upstream and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, we know what a salmon is. A salmon fish. Yes. And I would like you to link that to Ed Straker's car in UFO. Right, okay. So it's a salmon to Ed Straker's car in UFO. Mm. Yep. Good luck with that. And it must yep. be in six degrees. No yeah. less, no more. Because part of the fun is doing it in that, you know, that many, isn't it? And not, well, it not being fun. too securitous. Oh, yeah. our podstrons make it fun. You're brilliant. Oh, yeah, they do. Absolutely right. There you go. So there's a challenge. Send it into podcast at jerryanderson.co.uk or pop it on the Facebook group and we'll see it there. Talking of Facebook group, uh, Finn Jackson posted after a bit of a break from the worlds of Anderson, due in part to some phenomenal news in my life, brackets, 
receiving the final grade for my film degree with top marks and first class honours. Congratulations. Those brackets. Yes. Uh, it's absolutely lovely to sit down after a long week to get back to Thunderbirds. And although it's 1am, it's time for the man from MI5. Nice. Good choice. Yeah, absolutely. John McDonald wrote, Hello again, fellow Podstrons. It's me, reporting from my odyssey through the Andiverse. Up until now, my, up until now, my favourite by a country mile has been Space 1999 Season 1, but I'm now happy to report new Captain Scarlet is right up there with it. I was very motivated to see NCS, thanks mainly to Chris Dale's enthusiasm on the randomizer. The brief running time makes for zippy action and a packed story, and I agree with the view that the CGI and storylines definitely improve as the series progresses mm. the voice cast are excellent i now totally associate wayne forrester as captain scarlet now due to his performances here and on the big finish audios i think this is john new and old captain scarlet have aged better than other series mm. possibly due to the darker and more complex plot points and progressive and varied character inclusion, which probably appeals most uh, to more viewers. Uh, it was also very interesting to see the early motion capture process during production on the DVD extras section, proving how cutting-edge this programme was in the noughties, mm. and realising how much movie franchises have since benefited from these pioneering days at Pinewood. Like all the best series within the Anderson umbrella, New Captain Scarlet will enjoy many a repeat viewing, and I look forward to returning to the series again in the near future. Thanks so much to John McDonald. That's a nice review of Captain Scarlet. It is. Lovely. But it's great. Yeah. Again, once again, that the randomizer is feeding people to... Uh try new things yes exactly uh, Rob Barker uh, he says I've been away in Norfolk with the family goes without saying it's rained all week standard for family trips and I visited Roxham Miniature World which had a nice little Jerry Anderson display a bit of sunshine on a rainy day ah uh, that's nice so uh, do let us know where was your most unexpected Jerry Anderson encounter where did you find a treasure trove of merch or models or marionettes that you just weren't expecting. Let us know. Send in those emails or pop it on our Facebook group. And Can uh, I tell find you about mine? Go on, yes. <laughs> Go on. Mine was in yeah. Oxford. I don't even know if it's there anymore. And I yeah. was going for a burger at Atomic Burgers. Right. Uh, I think the one on Cowley Road, possibly. Hmm. And um, I went for a wee, as you do. Right. Yeah, okay. And uh, in the toilet... Sony blooming Thunderbirds wallpaper. <laughs> right. Amazing, isn't well, it? The place to I mean, I wasn't expecting that. No, neither yeah. <laughs> well, was yeah. I. No, quite. No, yeah, okay. Very Almost good. ruined my aim. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, Mark Simpson Wedge posted uh, Sometimes at Anderson events, they show some episodes for everyone to watch, and I don't know who gets to pick them, but if there's another Anderson event in the future mm. and you've got to choose the episodes, which ones would you pick? Which made me think, Jamie, Yes. that we should have another one of these. No! Yes, it's your favourite episode's Quickfire 5. Here we go. Thunderbirds, give or take a million or attack of the alligators. Alligators. Captain Scarlet, white as snow or the heart of New York. Oh, well, white as snow. <gasps> UFO, time lash or the responsibility seat. Time lash. Space Precinct, Time to Kill or The Snake? It was always going to be Time to Kill. Of course it was. And finally, Torchy, Torchy and Squish or Bossy Boots goes to Topsy Turvyland. <laughs> 
Torchy and Squish. I mean, it's, really? it's, it's, it's death either way, isn't it? Ah, oh, yes. Fair enough. But there we are. Oh. Here's your favourite episode, Quick Fire 5. I'm so, so thrilled you brought these back. I really <laughs> am not. Yeah, they've been missed, haven't they? Sorely. Not by me. Say. Oh, OK, fair enough. <laughs> there we are. If you're on Facebook, do join in our Podstrons Facebook group and uh, you can join in the fun too. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fun. I'm not sure about quick fire fives. Anyway, shall we move on to uh, an interviewee so I can recover from this oh, yes. horrible incident? I uh, think we ought to. David Monday, that's Sunday with an M, is back this week for part two of our lovely chat about all things Anderson, his exposure to all things Anderson, his thoughts about Great. things, including lots of uh, Stingray and other related thoughts, and just a generally nice chat. Yeah. Yeah. So over Good. to you, David, for part two. Okay, so we'll just part the music for a minute and kind of go into the the shows themselves. I, I mean, it's really interesting how many people I think have strengthened their association and love for the shows because of the ritualistic family angle. And there's there's a you know the nostalgia goes beyond oh I watched this when I was a kid to more often I watch this with my dad or with my grandfather or with my uncle or with my brothers or whatever. You know, even um, uh, Nicola Walker. I spoke to her a little while ago and she said she loves Thunderbirds purely because it meant she got to spend time with her brother. So that's it's clearly a huge part of it. But we haven't even mentioned characters and, and, and stories, really. And yeah, there's a te- kind of technical fascination with the real and the explosions and the craft and the kind of the toys come to life because of the, the physical reality in front of you. But what about the characters? Because... Now we're going around so much talking to broadcasters and commissioners and stuff. There's a there's a modern obsession with if it's a kids show, you've got to be watching kids characters because kids don't connect with adults, which I completely disagree with this nonsense. I mean, <laughs> Doctor Who, a bloody doctor's thousands of years old now uh, and kids still watch it. It's clearly an adult. So what was it about those characters in Thunderbirds in particular? I mean, did you want to be as I did? Did you want to be Virgil? Did you want to do what they were doing? Or was it just that you kind of, you cared about them and were compelled by what they were doing, wanted them to succeed? I I don't know what the formula is. Yeah, I I think what what I will echo is the family thing is massive for me because I very much see, you know, uh, enjoying these shows as part of my birthright in a way because my dad was so so big on it. And yeah, so many of my memories of these shows is watching them with my dad uh, and watching them with my brother. I think anyone who has a brother is, I think, slightly more inclined to enjoy Thunderbirds for that reason. <laughs> um, you know, the idea that my dad was Jeff, Jeff Tracy. And um, what yes. I will say is I'm the oldest brother, so I wanted to be Scott. And it's quite funny because um, my brother would always say, oh, you only want to be him because he's the oldest and that's what you are. And you're such a loser. And like, <laughs> and, and I, over the years, I've tried to and he still says it now. Uh, over the years, I've tried to kind of come up with another reason why I want to be Scott. And I can't like it is just because he's the oldest. I feel empathy with that sort of mantle, you know, Atlantic Inferno best episode ever because it's all about the old, the oldest son having to shoulder the responsibility of his father yep. so and that's happening course, right now of course yeah the well, real absolutely. atlantic inferno terrifying yeah yeah the real the sea is on fire so yeah, yeah exactly i mean we have to we do have to probably sue real life at some point for borrowing that episode but <laughs> yes you know, I'm, I'm sure that'll that'll definitely could be a good money spinner <laughs> Um, but yeah, my brother always wanted to be Virgil because he was he was the second brother. You know, they both are so empathy there. But but his was a more pragmatic approach, probably very similar to your reasoning. My brother played the piano, so it was empathy there. there uh, but of course, all the pod vehicles and flying Thunderbird too. You know, but then because we had that dynamic in the family, and my dad was a big fan. You know, the idea that that my dad was was Jeff, I was Scott, my brother was Virgil, 
Um, my sister could be Tintin if she wanted. Um, you know, <laughs> if she wanted, for yeah, whatever. she wasn't. She wasn't that fuss. She wasn't that fuss. But when she was young enough to be sort of like directed, it'd be like, you go stand over there and be you be Tintin. Um, you know, flying around the garden pretending to be you know Thunderbird one, Thunderbird two. But I think the handy thing was because we were all kind of watching all my friends at school. I do remember playing in the playground, uh, mm. sort of about six or seven in the mid nineties, pretending to be International Rescue with all my friends. So that family feel is, is really important but of course that format is very much it's there in a lot of the other shows as well so i actually have quite an embarrassing story about stingray <laughs> which is oh. which was my first that was my first love I, I kind of always i always preferred stingray a little bit but then in that early stage because i've always enjoyed mysterious almost okay. hitchcockian type stuff i mean barry gray I tell you, we're going to mention him again he's yeah. a big part of the reason why the mystery and the kind of the creepiness of stingray is always oh there. yeah yeah um, the, the the watery kind of creeping yeah, kind of elements music, yeah. Of, yeah 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 certainly mysteries of the depths is the is the vibe of a lot of that music yeah right? and, and and so then so then that kind of hooked me but again that family kind of format is kind of there i mean it's a little bit twisted which we'll get on to in a minute but oh yeah um yeah um but that that kind of motif of um you know the main character is um you know the, the kind of the heartthrob but he's not he's a, a captain level he's like one level below an authoritative somewhat aloof somewhat distant father figure so kind of white commander Shaw, jeff tracy you know there's a yep. lot of similarities there uh commander zero of course you know there's a lot of yep. similarities there so i kind of i bought into it through that as well and so then <laughs> When we used to go swimming, I would pretend I was Troy Tempest, obviously, because I'm, I'm the oldest. And, you know, at that stage, I wasn't quite aware of, um, you know, quite how, well, I don't know how much of a git he was in other aspects <laughs> of his life. So it was just an easy thing. Like, he's the hero. I'm the oldest and I'm six years old. So I'm Troy Tempest. Yeah. So um, my dad, obviously. Yeah, quite an old, yeah oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was I couldn't do that as a six year old, but, you know, I could, could maybe try it now, but maybe maybe another time. <laughs> But, you know, my dad was quite an authoritative figure. So he was mm-hmm. obviously Commander Shaw. Um, my really? brother was, you know, a kind of a loyal, just like, just does what he's told. So he was obviously phones. Yeah. But I was six years old. I didn't really have, I didn't go swimming. And there weren't other women to play the other part. So I was six. And I basically had my mum down as Marina. And I had my sister down as Atlanta. And of course, at the time, <laughs> at the time, that was completely innocent. Completely innocent. Oh, of and course, then, yes. And, and my mum would always take the mick out of me for it. And it's only when I got a little bit older and you know kind of um you know learn about the freud's theories and i studied oedipus at school it was wow. like oh yeah. man there's i made a, there's such a sinister a mistake there. david it's very it's you know uh, we, we should probably caveat this uh, <laughs> part of the podcast by you know saying he was very young and innocent uh, oh absolutely i was no six years now. old like, don't, <laughs> I, was, I was thinking wonder if we could just you know maybe just cut it there and then we just like go to the to go for the newsy news news or if you've got some fab <laughs> facts just to save me the embarrassment and just like yeah we'll call it a day lads like. no that is that is absolutely on record and will never be deleted so i'm I'm glad that's out there. I hope well, I'm happy to hear that. I'm, I'm happy to, I'm happy to laugh at it in hindsight, but, but it kind of still, <laughs> I still think it answers that, that, um, that, that question about sort of the draw for these shows is yeah. there's such a family feel in all of the casts in all yes. of them. And I think that's what, you know, th- then you just naturally want them to succeed. If you feel like you can, you can sort of pin yourself as one of those characters and um, you know, between all of the shows, you know, there was always someone I could be like, I want to be like him as I kind that's of it. got a bit older. I would think I would, so. Space nineteen ninety nine didn't actually have as much of a renaissance around the time of Thunderbirds no. and, and Stingray and Captain Scarlet. So I was the only one in my friendship group who saw that because I think my dad had got the bug and he went out and bought some VHSs. And I think whenever Good it man. popped up on whatever the the niche channels were back in the nineties, if it was ever on late at night on Channel Five or something, yeah. you know, my mum would record it. And so then I had a, I, I was able to amass a Space nineteen ninety nine collection to watch. 
around that sort of time. I was the only kid in the playground who wanted to be Commander John Koenig, which which sounds quite funny in, in and, hindsight. But and look and what course, you've achieved. And look You're what, there right now. It. I know. I mean, that, that's why when when I saw you guys were doing the the uniforms, I was like, oh, like finally I can. <laughs> the, the funny thing was, I had this coat. I had this raincoat that um was was it was almost uh, identical in terms of the the length and the kind of the patterns on it to the jackets they had in season two. And it was a complete accident. Like my mum just went out yeah. and bought me a raincoat and, and it looked like a Commander Koenig jacket. So I would just, awesome. I would put that on and I'd be in the playground and I'd be bossing everyone around being like, you know, you know, launch pad two, launch Eagle five. And they'd be like, I've got no idea what this is, but you know, he seems to know what he's talking about. So right go on, on then I'll pretend to fly the Eagle. Um, <laughs> so th- there was all, it was always throughout all the shows. There was, there was someone I could, yeah, be like, that's, that's me. And because uh, yeah. ca- characters are a, bit, a, a big part of how I enjoy things as well. And of course, in the stuff that I write now, you know, you can't really write anything in the modern era unless your character is relatable in some way and you know because all these characters all want to do the right thing that's very powerful and it's very it resonates with a lot of people so yeah absolutely i mean doing the right thing and these kind of uh, for the most part utopian settings or at least worlds where that is the aim is is a big part of it Uh, and keep people keep mentioning to me now that one of the reasons it's stuck with them so much and especially in contrast to the majority of today's sci-fi is the fact that you know, it is a utopian, not a dystopian world. And so is there, you know, a, a lot of people I speak to, uh, you know, Dr. David Parker, for example, from the European Space Agency, uh, I've spoken to guys at NASA who they were inspired by the bright future, despite the dramatic storyline. So is is that a part of it? I mean, the, the family units thing that always sticks out to me, even in Captain Scarlet, clearly Colonel White is dad. That's it. It's it's obvious, yeah. um, whether it's a literal family or not. But is the utopian kind of setting and the the bright, albeit a very retro futurism view of the future, is, is that part of the the continuing appeal? I think so. I think um, people always want to imagine, you know, the best of, for humanity, and so then giving them that, yeah. that's that's they're always going to enjoy that. I mean, interestingly enough, I think. The stuff that I've enjoyed more as an adult has actually been the opposite of that sometimes. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm quite into my dystopia. Um, you know, this, the science fiction series that I'm writing at the moment is, is, is somewhat dystopian. But there's still Jerry Anderson influences in there. I thought that it wasn't Jerry Anderson influenced mostly until I started doing the artwork for my second book. And I realized that the evil alien that's in there has massive orange eyes and hypnotizes people. You know, there's just subtle things that just always pervade through. But the thing is, is that even when we talk about dystopias, I still think that there's elements of Captain Scarlet that are like that. There's elements of Space 1999 mm. that are like that and UFO as well. And actually, I think that um, what gives them a, a timeless appeal, you know, mm. stuff that I can watch as an adult is... There are uto- there's utopian elements to Thunderbirds and Stingray and uh, to an extent Fireball XL5. But what I love about Captain Scarlet, UFO and Space 1999 is you've got the same type of characters. They're, all the, they're the same kind of characters they would have fit in in International Rescue. They fitted in in, in in the Wasps. And you take that do-good attitude and you put it into a dystopian kind of narrative. Yep. And then you see how that narrative pulls them you know into different directions captain i mean i I always say that captain scarlet as a show is like so like such a visionary um you know project it's Mm. so ahead of its time because just simply um, for two reasons really number one you have episodes that kind of link together and tell a longer story and that i think is is amazing because that's what television is now and it wasn't that in the 60s so to be to be brave enough to kind of put that forward i i I think it should be praised for all time but then also Mm. of course the fact that the baddies don't always lose and the goodies 
don't always win. Absolutely. It's part of its timeless appeal. And, and, and it's clever in a way, because I know that the biggest thing that people usually have as a criticism against Captain Scarlet is, is oh, there's no tension because he's not going to die. But there is tension. It's just not about the character. It's will he succeed or will, yes. or will he not? Um, because his motivations are never going to change. It's just whether or not the, the wider world will allow him to succeed. And that, for me, is they're the best kind of stories. Uh, you see it in UFO as well. I mean, UFO is so depressing, but I love it. You know, there's some, I mean, like a question of priorities, flight path, square triangle. There's just so many episodes that are so like, oh man, like you come out of it like, oh man, that was that was harrowing. But then, but then you yeah. think about why it was so good is because you put you put good characters that you like and you can empathize with in horrible situations, and you effectively ask them to make a choice. Yes. So many of the times they they get it wrong for the right reasons. And that's what makes it so kind of bittersweet. And again, that's what makes it great television. And you, you have it in Space 1999 as well. Um, I think to a lesser extent, there were some depressing episodes that ended, you know, not quite how you expected, but yeah. um, not quite as many as UFO, but still had a gritty enough feel to it that, yeah. So, 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 I mean, in terms of legacy across the whole, you know, span of Jerry Anderson's career, what is impressive, I think, is that he was able to balance utopia and dystopia quite nicely. Yeah. And that's quite difficult to do. Yeah, no, I, I like your analysis of a, a dystopian narrative over what might be described as a more utopian future. I think that's the, yeah. it's the, it's the creative tension between the two, which is really, really great. Uh, speaking of creative tension, David, I want to know, because you've been so full of praise for all these Anderson shows so far, <laughs> uh, I want to sort of un- unveil your inner mister on. Um, <laughs> are there any Anderson shows that you don't like or even hate? Ooh. And if so, what and why? I don't think there's any that I hate. Uh, I, I, so, yeah, you know, I want to be on, on brand. Come on, we're all friends here. You can be honest. <laughs> it's going to be in the papers next. Journalist <laughs> hates Jerry Anderson content. Like, oh, no. um, there's none that, there's no, there's, I mean, all the premises, I think most of the time they, they, they work on their own. Um, I, you know, there's a couple that are a bit niche, like the Secret Service, I think is, is yep. one that has never really um, stuck with me. But interestingly enough, um, since I really got into, I mean, I've always read Marvel comics, but since I've watched Marvel movies and watched Ant-Man, I feel a little bit more kind of inclined to go back and give Secret Service another okay. chance because something else has come along to make that premise a bit more palatable. So, you know, apologies to Jerry on that one because someone else has basically kind of done his idea a little bit. And then now I'm like kind yeah. of a little bit more interested to go and have a look. But I mean, it's That's not fine. that I ever disliked it. It's more just, it didn't hook me. Yeah. Unfortunately, I've not seen Terror Hawks to as much of an extent as I've seen the others. I've seen a few episodes. I know, I know. I've only seen a few episodes of it. Um, and it's not that, again, it's not that I, I, I don't like it. It just, it never hooked me to the same extent. And again, the reason for that is more just timing. So my, by the time my dad got to, by the time that came out, my dad was at uni. Yeah. And so then, it was that show wasn't really aimed at him. That's right. So Blame your father for everything. It's yeah, oh, a I, good have way. To, yeah. <laughs> I have to. Yeah, it just it just ne- it never held a place in his heart. Yeah. So then it never it was never shown to me if that makes sense. So then I've had to engage with it as an older person. So I still appreciate it for what it is. But there's but Stingray, Captain Scarlet, Space 1999, UFO, they were my formative thing. So if I'm ever having a day when I want some nostalgia, I'm yeah. going to go to that because it reminds me makes of being sense. a kid. And then I guess the other one is Far Black Self Five that. I think I pro- if I was to pick one that I think is the most problematic, and again, this is probably sacrilegious because I know it's really popular and it was really trailblazing for his time. But again, that was something that, that that was on the other end of my dad's life. That was big before he was old enough to really enjoy mm. stuff. Yeah. So then again, wasn't really bestowed upon me in the 90s. I've watched it as I'm older. And then it, there's just elements of it that are just 
a bit laughable now, like the oxygen pills and, you know, the, you know, the, you some of the science behind like, you know, at, like, there's one episode, I think where like a, a whole planet just, they're just in space. And then like a whole planet is like, whoa, whoa, a whole planet just came out of nowhere. And, and it's like, well, we nearly, it nearly hit us. Like, it's kind of like, you know, like someone's Frisbee or whatever. <laughs> so then, my kids don't have an issue with it at all. Funnily enough, they love Fiber Like So Five. They think Zuni is great. I've, 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 a couple of times, my daughter, when I come home from work, she's all like, Welcome home. <laughs> just like Zuni. So Brilliant. there's, there's great stuff about it, but I just think it doesn't have that same emotional connection with me. Cause again, I watched it when I was older and, and it's easier to sort of laugh at its kind of, you know, inconsistencies with reality, really. So yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I've got through that question unscathed, but <laughs> uh, you've done remarkably well. I mean, the terror hawks thing, obviously you've lost a few points there, but yeah, uh, I, I can forgive you for that. That's, <laughs> that's probably all right. So uh, clearly we've mentioned your uh, sci-fi writing and the influence. So uh, I would be remiss not to ask you about what, you know, what is your kind of sci-fi area genre? What, what do you, what have you been doing? What's out and what are you working on and where are the Anderson influences in that? Yeah. So, I mean, what's quite funny is that since I was about 13, I was writing stories and I was very much borrowing the the format we mentioned earlier about the kind of family situation with the, you know, the, the main character being like a captain and his dad like figure was in charge, Lord yeah. best friend, female love interests that were just doting and didn't really have anything about them. That was the kind of stuff I was writing when I was like sort of 10 to 13. I had this, I had this idea for a show that was a bit like space 1999 meets Battlestar Galactica, like original Battlestar Galactica, you know, this kind of, um, journey across the stars that you didn't really want to be on but you needed to do it to you know find salvation or somewhere to live that was a show that i was like working on quite a lot as a, as a teenager but i i think i just kind of lacked the the knowledge and the know-how and the experience to kind of really make that work one day i will one one day i'll make that work and uh i'm sure the anderson influences will be a bit more overt <laughs> so then the series that i'm working on at the moment uh it's called the atlas nation series and it's um again it's you know, apologies to the utopian lovers. It's a bit dystopian uh, in the way that it's, right. um, you know, structured. I was I was very inspired by kind of real world events that happen now and also history as well. You know, posing the question, if mankind was to go out and colonize like kind of nearby habitable planets, you yeah. know, what would that look like? And I just kind of looked at the international tensions of like real life in the last few years. Uh, which has been quite a few. Uh, but, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I got into reading up on the history of America. It was something I'd never studied at school and I had a fascination with. And, you know, you just discover that actually the colonization of Amer- of the Americas was very fractured, very, you know, there was, it, was, it, was, it was war effectively because you had lots of powerful nations all vying for the same territory. So putting those two together, I just kind of thought to myself, I like Star Trek, but the idea that when we go out to the stars and colonize other planets, then the idea that we would do that as a unified uh, kind of, thing isn't yeah. really very realistic no nope. um so yeah it's it's a series that basically explores mankind ex- you know colonizing other planets and then existing kind of international tensions that we have now being played out on that kind of backdrop so it focuses on the british obviously i can empathize with them the best um <laughs> like a failed colonized mi- uh, mission on a, on a forbidden planet that they're not allowed to colonize because of the atlas nations which is kind of like a big amalgamation of the EU and um, the UN kind of into one big kind of organization okay. with like the Americans and things and, and the tensions between that. Uh, but also I have a journalist character who I will insist is not based on me. I will always insist not. it's based of on course. one of my colleagues uh, who just kind of is behind the scenes uh, investigating some of the, um, the things that don't add up about Britain's interplanetary colonization program. And it kind of makes for this this blend of The Expanse, the Amazon show, of course, a book series as well, uh, a bit of Lost and a bit of 1984 kind of all rolled up into one big kind of intergalactic thing. 
So there's one book out at the moment called Writing in the Sand. I've recently just re- uh, released a free novella that's kind of like a prequel to the, the series. And then Eyes of the Vanguard, which is the sequel to the first one, that comes out uh, later this year. And awesome. that's the one where that was when I realized, oh man, my big alien, my big, you know, kind of scary alien is basically just the hood. So I'm, I'm a please don't sue me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. What's the phrase? Uh, amateurs borrow and artists hey, steal or something like that. So yeah, they're clearly an artist. Uh, okay. So, and if what people want to find them, are they kind of Amazon anywhere? Yeah, that's um, right. So, um, so my books are on Amazon. If you want the free novella, you have to subscribe to my author newsletter. So, um, you know, a nice little bit of marketing there. So, you can nice. find that all on my Twitter, basically. So Okay. Well, everyone here is very used to Richard James plugging his books. So uh, you're in good company there and they're very used to it. But do pop along. Have you got a website where they can do that sort of thing? Uh, yeah. So davidmonday.uk uh, is my is my website. So yeah, head to that. Yeah. Or And, and if you that's... can't find that, because that's hosted by my father-in-law's website. So sometimes I think it changes. So if you can't find that, I'm on Twitter at davidmonday815 and all of my up-to-date links will all be there. So if you want to find that, that's where you can do it. So, okay. Yeah. And that's Monday, not like the day, but like yes. the surname, M-U-N-D-A-Y. <laughs> yeah. I always say Monday, but with a U instead of an O. And then someone goes, someone then spells it with a U on the end instead of a Y, like Martin Landau. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. So spelling it to people is just insane. And my wife, when when we got married, she'd never had to do that dynamic before. And yeah. then when she started having to do it, she came up with a much better one, which was actually, it's not Monday with a U, it's Sunday with an M. Oh, I mean, I never okay. Before. Okay. Okay. Sunday <laughs> with an M. Brilliant. I never thought I'd describe spelling it that way, but it makes perfect sense now. Uh, my, my worldview has changed forever. <laughs> Uh, uh, David, this has been awesome. I definitely recommend people follow you on Twitter because even though you are a football fan, I'm not uh, judging there. Uh, it's not all about football and there's plenty of uh, Anderson-related stuff and um, there's always some interesting sort of wit and, st- wit and wisdom there uh, about the worlds of Anderson, possibly even to rival Chris Dale. Oh, uh, wow. To be put in that same conversation, I'm, I'm so, so flattered. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that printed, put it up on the wall. Jamie right. Anderson, 2021. I don't um, think David's challenging for the uh, crown for the randomizer, though, Chris. Don't worry. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just put that little bit in there. Um, before we do finish, there's one thing that I have to have to say because mm. you know, you know, we've you know had a few interactions before on Twitter and in various places, and my wife is really annoyed with me that I still at this point have not mentioned to you that my youngest daughter is called Penelope, and she just absolutely is just like, how has that not come up yet? And every time it's like, oh, it hasn't come up yet. It just has. It just hasn't really transpired that I would be able to tell you that and here we are on the podcast i'm finally telling you my youngest daughter is called penelope and you know maybe that makes me a bigger anderson fan or or not we were a little bit debating whether or not we would go with that she was quite fond of it not necessarily from a jerry anderson sort of perspective but uh, more just because she liked the name and i was a bit like well yeah but everybody knows i love thunderbirds they're just gonna think i'm a massive loser if i call her penelope in the end i just went with it but also dr helena russell and tintin and uh, I think I also suggested uh, Destiny Angel. She rejected all this. So we had to go with Penelope. <laughs> Interesting that Penelope won out over Destiny and Helena. And uh, <laughs> Penelope feels like quite, an, quite an old fashioned name in many ways now. But so is, is, she, is she called Penny or, or, or uh, Penelope in full? Or Pen, well, we, call or... It, we call her Penelope. She can't say her own name yet because we gave her quite a difficult one. So she calls herself Hairpy. My, okay. Yeah, my eldest kid, uh, she, when trying to refer to her sister, would call her Nepeply. It's taking quite a while for wow. us to all, for all the kids to be able to say Penelope. She's not Penny yet, 
but she probably will be when she you know goes to school and starts getting friends and maybe when she joins international rescue as a spy um you know it would be easier for jeff to call her penny than penelope so we'll just have to keep an eye on that one amazing and i <laughs> bet you're saving up for that pink rolls royce already so oh, well we've got a cuddly toy version so she'll have to settle with that <laughs> <laughs> amazing all right david well you have definitely out and out proved your anderson fan credentials uh, oh, right fr- right from naming your daughter penelope through to casting your mum and sister as uh, marie <laughs> and oh, atlanta no. <laughs> <laughs> and that is now on the record forever. I know, um, I know. So, uh, David, thanks so much. Posterons, go and follow David on uh, Twitter, David Monday eight one five. Is that's that correct. right? And yes. that's Monday, spelt like Sunday with an M. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fantastic, David. Thanks so much, and uh, hopefully we'll have you back on another time soon. Cheers for your time. Thank you very much, David. Really yes. appreciate that. I really enjoyed Lovely. our chat. Actually, we probably could have gone on for quite a lot longer, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. one of those times yeah. where we both had to rush off. Uh, yeah. So, if you want to follow David on Twitter, he's at David Monday eight one five. You can grab mm-hmm. his books uh, on Amazon uh, or from david.monday.uk. Sure. Uh, you can look up his book Writing in the Sand, um, oh, and yeah. also he's doing one of your tricks here. You can get a, a free novella. If you subscribe ah. to his newsletter at david.monday.uk. <laughs> it's called marketing. Yes. It good. is a bit of marketing. Speaking Sorry. of marketing. Oh, yes. Next week's guest is yes. Mark A. Altman. Uh, now, right. Mark right. is uh, an LA-based uh, producer, director, and uh, is currently, I think, about to begin work on Pandora Series 3 for the CW out there. So if you're in the US, okay. you may have seen Mark's series. And he's just finished a successful Kickstarter for a... A documentary about the best year in 80s cult sci-fi which i think it was 1982 wasn't it oh, of course it was yeah, yeah of course it was so uh, you can hear more next week it's a great one and uh, in fact i mentioned uh, last week the this episode t-shirt for space 1999 oh, yeah. it's uh, mark was the inspiration for that um find <laughs> out more next week there you go good end of interview now, section over to you yeah. richard james for more things well i mean it's interesting you talk about you know him being the uh, inspiration for the this episode t-shirt yes because i thought i had offered some inspiration for a particular item of clothing that i hope to see in the jerry anderson store at some point but the uh, officer are in pants yeah it seems to be sadly uh, lacking i believe they're being launched in 2044 are they yes i'll still be around for that exactly just yeah Yeah. nice okay but i look forward to it i may not look quite as good in them by then just a heads up I, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> no, okay. There's uh, no. something for everyone, isn't there? Yeah. Someone for I'm everyone. heading on over to our YouTube channel now, uh, where people have been posting underneath the video of Pod 163, because some people listen to the podcast via YouTube. Which is a strange thing to do, isn't it? I know. What? Yes. Why on earth would you do that? But okay, yeah. it's their own. Anyway, there we are. O.D. Dillon uh, posted, Jamie, do you still have the patterns for the Captain Scarlet hats that Mom created for the show? No. So, there you are. I mean, they would be puppet scale anyway, but... Uh, yeah, but they say upsize them to human heads and you have a hit headwear merch item. You say a hit headwear <laughs> merch item. Yeah. I mean, how many people are really going to buy a Captain Scarlet hat? Yeah, You'd three, be surprised. Four. Yeah, and then yeah. that's not mm. exactly a hit, is it? But you, you never yeah. say never. Never say never. No, quite. Uh, Peacemaker Dan posted, Brilliant as always, chaps. The building blocks in the crash scene at the end of Thunderbirds Are Go are, in fact, better build blocks made by Airfix. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, I had a set of them as a young boy at that time before my parents got me the Lego sets later on for Christmas. Yeah, this is from a previous comment, someone saying that it was made of Lego. In fact, better build blocks from Airfix. There you go. Good time. I mean, the Podstrons are nothing if not pernickety, are they? 
Well, I was going to say a source of knowledge, but... Uh, yeah, well, OK, yeah. Uh, and finally, Train Lover 16 posted, I believe that practical effects... This is following uh, Richard Taylor's mm. uh, interview earlier on previous podcasts. He says, I believe that practical effects are so much more believable than digital ones. My planned films and TV shows will always try to use practical and model effects where possible, and CGI will only be used where absolutely necessary. He continues, in fact... My very first TV show, Raptor Dogs, will be produced in exactly the same way as Thunderbirds 2015, with CGI characters on live-action model sets. All the air and spacecraft in the show will even be practical, and all the explosions, of course. I want my film and TV career to start a renaissance in miniature and practical filmmaking. Fantastic. Mm. There's an aspiration. So good for you, Train Lover 16, and do let us know how it goes. Absolutely. Fantastic. Yes. So there are a variety of places where you can post your thoughts or you can simply email them, uh, email them in at podcast at jerryanderson.co.uk. As so many of the people you've heard Indeed. from did just yeah. that. That's right. Uh, Richard James. Yes. Over there, I can oh, yeah. see that uh, Chris has finished with all the eggs. <laughs> he has, hasn't and he? And I think wiping his... shells. Yeah, he's wiping his lips, though, which means he's just downed oh. two and a half pints oh. of egg. Wow. Juice, yeah, gross. Smell it from here. He's looking a bit green now, but hopefully Mm. he'll be well enough to make it through the randomizer. Yeah, I think he looks like he's he's sort of wandering over in a sort of staggery way. Uh, So yes, oh, don't come too close. Yeah, the all the breath on him. Yes. Uh, Thanks, Chris. Yes, stay. Keep away a bit, but uh, you do your randomizer over there where you select a random episode of a Jerry Anderson show and randomly watch it it. and randomly say things. And yeah, we'll um, see in a bit. Pooh. I don't see. Well, I think I might have you now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, you have to give me a chance. I mean, it's a big studio after all. Don't you know me yet? Well, yes, yes, of course. Uh, Patrick Allen, the voice of impending Armageddon. I know you, the big man in charge of the world. Well, no, uh, just the randomizer, actually. The guy that girls admire. Well, at least that part's true. <laughs> Listen, Mr. Uh, Turner, isn't it? I'm not looking for a fight. I'm just looking for someone to press the button on the randomizer today. You're not on my level. Well, then surely you can handle pushing one simple button. Ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> you must think I'm as stupid as you are. My dear, nobody can be as stupid as he seems. Ah, uh, yes, thank you, Count Scarlioni. Uh, right, let's see what we have today. Oh, well, it's the Secret Service today. With Yes. They can do things we can't even conceive. Well, yes, they certainly do a lot of strange things. And today's episode is... Oh. I think I'll just play that back. Uh, uh, yes, uh, as I was saying, today's episode is The Cure. I think I'll just play that back. You can play it as many times as you like, mate. It still won't make any sense. <laughs> So, welcome back to the Secret Service on the Randomizer, and we open in the back of a car. Take off. Our British friends need suffer one little setback, and we shall be ahead. In the middle of nowhere, Stan. Setbacks are my speciality. That is why I chose you for the mission. You have a certain reputation in these matters. You can rely on me. So, sinister foreign people are being uh, sinisterly foreign. 
And here we are on the AV-21 plane from Joe90 Splashdown. Here's our uh, Seikoff chap being watched by... Well, it's Captain Scarlet, but of course it's Bishop Agent Blake keeping an eye on Mr. Seikoff. And uh, taking some photos of him in a, with his little uh, briefcase there. It's rare to see Blake out in the field actually uh, doing something... It's Seikop, all right. A He's bit secret agent. Identity of a German businessman. Herr Vorkas, he calls himself. Vorkas? Ah, of course. That's Seikop spilt backwards. Ah. A typical touch of his humor. That's why he's the master, master spy. He's one of the world's most astute freelance agents doing in England. Mm. So we're back from the opening titles. Uh, normally we'd go straight over to the bishop to be filled in regarding uh, who's who and what's what this week, but uh, no, we are we are sticking with Mr. Sakoff as he makes his way somewhere through the English countryside. I mean, this is probably, I think, Burnham Beaches was uh, often used for location filming for this show. It wasn't too far from the studio. Yes, Sakoff's car is being tailed by another car. It's all uh, minorly intriguing. Of course, uh, the people following Zakoff are real human beings. Um, ah, this is one of these sequences where the, the fact that we know we're supposed to be following a puppet, but his journey to the nursing home, which is where he's ended up, Greenway's nursing home, is it's all done by real cars and real actors. Where? In a nursing home? I have a right to sound worried. I can assure you Zakoff is not in England for the good of his health. There we go, we better get farther on on the case. And just as an aside, I, I wish I was watching this in HD. This is two episodes of The Randomizer in a row now where I've been watching in SD DVD copies. And uh, to be honest, I'm not used to it. I don't like it. I want all these shows in HD and I want them now. I'm at your service. But hopefully with, uh, with Supercar on the way, there will be more to come. A private nursing home, a place called Greenways. I believe I've heard of it. The doctor who runs it uses some rather unusual methods. This would look very nice in HD, as indeed all Anderson productions would. Take the cure and keep an eye on Sakoff. My dear Bishop, I hardly think I would fit into a nursing home run by a crank doctor. Exactly. You'll be as conspicuous as a hair on an egg. That is why Sakoff will never suspect you. Hair on an egg. An amazing thought. All right, Bishop, I'll leave in an hour. So... That's our... Uh, uh, right now, this seems very low-stakes stuff. There's nothing wrong with you, is there, Father? It's not an ordinary nursing home. A health farm, I think they call it, Mrs. Appleby. You look healthy enough to me, Father. Prevention is better than cure. A few days rest and a change of food. Oh, Father, I hope there's nothing wrong with the food I give you. Oh, Mrs. Appleby, no, no, of course there isn't. Well, I'm glad to hear that, sir. And this is see me, Father. our fifth episode of The Secret Service out of 13, which means we're more than a third of the way through the show. Excuse us, Mrs. Appleby. Yes, Father. I do hope we're not going to run out of these. I hope we can uh, keep these, uh, keep The Secret Service going on the randomizer until the, uh, the very end in, like, uh, well, by about 2030. <laughs> I think I might be done with it by about 2030. Anyway, now it's time to uh, shrink Matthew. And, uh, of course, this is the um, the first Secret Service episode I've covered since 
the uh, the little uh, coffee table in this scene went up for auction about three or four months ago now it would be I wanted to bid on it because uh, I, I saw it only had an estimate of like a hundred pounds and then it went for something like 450 yes bid out of my league I'm not sure what I would have done with it, even if I had won it, but uh, it would have been nice to uh, own something from this show. Anyway, Father Alwyn is now arriving at Greenway's nursing home. Lovely looking place. And that's something, that, that's another reason actually I, I would like to see the show in HD. The location filming, as distracting as it often is, I'm sure it would look lovely because everything always seems so bright and colourful and sunny in this show. All the we can see here all the, uh, the the plants are in full bloom and everything looks so nice. Anyway, here we are in the nursing home with puppets. These are some of your fellow guests, Father. Colonel Johnson, Mr. Berenson and Mrs. Dunlop. And all of whom appear to be dead. Herr Vosak. Ah, Herr Vosak. I trust you find the view interesting. And the, uh, the guy with the slightly squeaky voice is, uh, is uh, Dr. Clam. I nearly forgot the name. And you, Father, are you hoping to lose a pound or two? Hoping to gain something, actually. All that you will gain here is good health. Your diet will be strictly controlled, and you will spend two hours in my therapy theatre. Morning. It's a lovely and Gary Files performance, this character. To it. And talking of the therapy theatre, it is time for your treatment, Herr Vokas. If you will come with me. It's the, um... Oh, me... Miguel Lamberto dos Passos Francesca puppet from uh, Big Fish. Matthew, what are your first impressions? Seikov's a smooth operator. Yeah. But I bet he's no bird. One. I saw him looking out the window. I wonder what he was really looking at out there. Oh, well. Oh. Here we are at a racetrack. And this is something that, uh, again, we, we didn't see anything like this in an Anderson show before an actual racetrack. Fair. Fair. Well, it's near the record for its class. Well, the GK2 is certainly proving its capabilities. Yes, every motorist's dream. Add a little GK2 to distilled water, and you have a liquid equivalent to high-octane petrol. No motorist could afford it. I know GK2 is expensive to produce, but think of the military potential. Enough in one test tube to drive a tank a thousand miles. And now we've caught each other up on the project that we've been working on for presumably a very long time. Uh, Let's get back to work. Or to whatever's under that cloth. I've worked up quite an appetite. Oh, and here's an, another nice character. Carrots? Raw carrots. The steward Dr. guy. Dr. Clam doesn't allow any other food in the clinic. With uh, David Healy performing the character in such a way that uh, it kind of suggests it kind of suggests he's uh, he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Things of the earth, Father. That may be so, Matthew. But an agent marches on his stomach, to coin a phrase. Here, Matthew, you try one. Thank you, Father. So Matthew now I has an enormous carrot to deal with. Uh, I don't know what the effect on his uh, digestive system would be if he ate all of that. Eat that inside the case, Matthew. Right, Father. Oh, dear. And again, poor old Matthew, he's got no legroom in that case. It must be very uncomfortable. Somewhere, Father? Oh, oh, you did me a little fright load up the spoil. I was about to try and find Herr Vokas. Herr Vokas? Why, he's in the therapy theatre. Are you certain? Of course. Where else would he be? 
Yeah, this is something, an advantage in creating a show that's so contemporary compared to things like Captain Scarlet and Joe 90 is you can do something like a, a 1969 era racetrack and it feels so fresh because we haven't seen anything like this. We've not seen a model effect sequence like uh, like this before. And here we go. Uh, Seikoff is taking aim at the uh, race car. Somehow he got out of the therapy theatre. Taking a shot at the car with the GK2 formula. Whoa. Oh, no. Oh, driver's uh, trying to keep it under control, but unfortunately... Well... This being a Jerry Anderson show, he uh, not only crashed the car, he crashed into, uh, well, what looked like a, an area of uh, fuel storage tanks. However... Father Unwin, the theatre is occupied. I uh, realise you are anxious to experience the joys of clam therapy theatre. Oh, Seikoff is there. Contain your zeal. It's all right, Doctor. I'm ready to leave. In my fabulous dressing gown. Ronald appears to be so eager. You begin his treatment. An excellent idea. Uh, please, Father, go behind the screen. I will send the orderly to you immediately, if you insist. We've yet to find out what this uh, therapy machine looks like. And here we go. It's a bed in a sort of uh, spherical cradle thingy. Could the sabotage attempt on that car have been Seikov's work? I don't see how. It appears you are strapped to a bed whilst in the therapy theatre. Seikoff must have been here the whole time. I don't understand. When the bishop told us about the accident at the experimental racetrack and the fact that this clinic practically overlooks it, I felt certain it was Seikoff. Yes, hmm. most baffling. Listen, Matthew, I want you to get over to the track and maintain a careful watch on the reserve car. All right, Father, but how do I get there? The bishop has arranged for an agent to collect the case. He won't know what's inside. I understand. What will you be doing, Father? I assume that I will be experiencing the deep joys of the therapy theatre. Yes, sir, I understand. Bishop only has one agent. ...the Greenways Clinic and take it to the experimental racing track. Um, uh, what then? Stop about 50 yards from the pits and carefully conceal the case at the side of the track. Yes, sir. And then? Then you go home. Home? Home, Blink. But, sir, I, I don't understand. Uh, may I ask what's in the case? If I told you it contained one of our most valuable agents, would you believe me? <laughs> no, sir. I'm afraid I wouldn't. As I thought. On your way, Blake. I want the case at that racing circuit in 15 minutes. There was nothing wrong with the GK2 fuel. Tell that to the driver. It's a miracle he's still alive, Luke. Oh my goodness, he's still alive after that? The money for another month's work. Yeah, slightly, uh, one of the more slightly unbelievable uh, elements of this series, and that's saying something. But then again, nobody really dies in this show. It's to me. Even uh, someone like um, uh, Captain Mitchell in Recall to Service, he's caught in an explosion. You see his body, but they don't say whether he's dead or not. This show has a real aversion to uh, to mentioning death. Here we go, Blake is dropping off the case at the racetrack. And in the original script, I believe this was where we found out that his uh, first name was Roger. Thank you. Because I think he says something like, uh, right, straight home and uh, off, off to bed, uh, early night for you, Roger, old chap. Father, Father Unwin, can you hear me? Ah, Matthew, it's good to hear a friendly voice. You sound a little strange, Father. I'm afraid the clam therapy theatre is something I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. 
However, watch your... That's it, he's strapped well, down. I think the best place to keep an eye on things is in the car. Excellent idea, Matthew, yes. Oh, I wish you luck. What's going on, Father Unwin? Who are you talking to? Oh, you jumped me up a load out of my skin. Oh, folly, folly, folly. This is a much more comfortable position. Could we maintain it for a little while? The clam recliner moves at random. Any tension is registered and it moves to facilitate a greater blood flow to the head, thus relieving tension. Most I wonder if this is based on any uh, real-life inspiration, any real-life science, because it sounds just plausible enough to be... Uh, that hearing aid. ...to be real, despite the slightly silly sight of... Uh, Impulses! ...unwind strapped down being uh, rotated and spun all over the place. Dr. Clam, it's imperative I have that hearing aid. Oh, Do he's taking the hearing aid? Come back here. Relax, my dear sir. Just relax. Dr. Clam! Oh. I like that there's a chart on the wall there that points a... It, it's a medical chart. We can't see what it is, but the line is just down, straight down. Weed. Freely translated, oh miserable me, I've had it. Oh. Sake off. And here's the standby car that Matthew has concealed himself within. As the minister responsible, I am always interested in new developments, Burroughs. But after this morning's crash, it will take a faultless demonstration to convince me to put government money into the GK2 project. I'm sure, sir, you'll find the test run satisfactory. The car's been fitted with two fuel tanks. One will contain normal petroleum, the other, distilled water. Distilled water? Yes. Here we have a, a scene where um, Jeremy Wilkin is voicing two characters in a scene of three. Captain Ochre is one of these three characters, but he's not providing the voice. I always find that strange. Lot times are as good, if not better, when the car is running on GK2. But if you look at the the voices of the returning Captain Scarlet puppets in other shows, very rarely did they actually get their original voice actors back. I think Wilkin only voiced the Ochre puppet once after after Captain Scarlet. Never forgive me. What are you doing, may I ask? Behind this panel is an air duct. It's a tight squeeze, but I can just manage to wriggle through. Where does it lead? Just to the back of the clinic. It's, uh, it's a way of coming and going without being observed. To tell you the truth, I go and buy myself a meal. I let you in on a secret. I can't stand carrots. So you go to the racetrack for more appetizing fare. What do you mean? Were you not there? I like that Seikoff for a moment is prepared to to let Unwin in on why he's escaping and where he's going, but he's he's like, well, it's because I hate the food. Start and I was informed a security cordon had been thrown round. Now that he knows Unwin is an agent of some kind. It's me. What do you mean? This morning's escapade was a cover. During the confusion, I switched the test tube containing the GK2 with one of my own. Oh. Its contents will produce a much more violent reaction. A plan I within assure a plan. You. It's, it's, it is, um... I tell you this knowing that, unlike myself, those traps will keep you here for the next hour. Yeah, we've no explanation as to how Seikoff escaped from the uh, therapy machine in the first place. That line suggests that he was strapped to it, nor how he found out that this panel led to the back of the clinic. Doctor! But then I suppose you know, that's bringing logic into the Secret Service, and uh, that's an absolute mugs game, unfortunately. <laughs> There's no point in bringing logic into this show. Here's uh, Miniature Matthew. Father Unwin! 
stuck in the back of the replacement car. Please, it's imperative you release me. And, uh, a real-life actor sitting down next to... Father Unwin, they're about to start the demonstration. Puppet Matthew. Well, here we go. Is the GK2 in the distilled water tank? Of course. Here, have a souvenir. And I do like the actually these characters around the racetrack, even though they are mostly just telling each other things they already know. An impending disaster. It's nice to have a, a, an environment that's so completely different to the health clinic in this racetrack. And both of them are the kind of places we would never normally go. But also, we, we get the sense that these, I don't know any of these characters' names, we, but we do get the sense that this is a project they've been working on for a very long time. Thank you so much. You're not cheating, Father. It is a matter of life and death. And Unwin has been freed by the orderly. Quickly, where's my hearing aid? Dr. Clam had it, Father. I don't know where it is. Five laps completed. Another five and the driver will switch to the GK2. How's it going, Dave? Fine. First tank about half empty. Unwin is retrieving Gabriel from the garage and we have an interesting use of the minimizer because he can't open the doors all the way there's only one thing to do so he somehow manages to miniaturize Gabriel and presumably the minimizer as well unless he's hidden it very well in the garage I again to, to be honest the, the thought of how this works just I don't even want to go there. It is quite sweet to see the miniature Model T trundling off up the uh, these real-life roads, though. But yeah, how how does that work? And again, in a, a later episode, More Haste, Less Speed, when Matthew and Gabriel and Unwin are all miniaturized, do two laps. I don't know. Do they can they miniaturize a minimizer even? Oh my goodness. I'm losing it here. Can the minimizer minimize itself? Is that an option? We don't know. But uh, the miniaturized Gabriel has caused a, uh, a chap on a bicycle to crash into a bush, so, you know. It's nice to see the show spending time on, on big, big issues like that without uh, answering any of my questions. How the heck does this shrink ray thing even work? But is this the shot where, yeah, this th it, this means they must have the minimizer on board, where Gabriel goes into a into a tunnel, miniaturized, and then comes out the other side, full size. It's a very cool uh, idea. It's a very cool image. But uh, again, it just begs the question: He must have the minimizer on board. How does it minimize itself? Then I think you're in for a surprise. It's almost like none of this makes any sense. Hey, what's going on? Who allowed that vehicle on the track? Stop the test. Another couple of miles and I'll switch to the GK2. No, no, the car will explode. Oh, I'll phone the security people. Whom he obviously alluded to get onto the track. What's going on? Stop! So Unwin has stolen... Yeah, he's stolen the guy's radio. They were powerless to stop him. Three men against uh, an elderly priest. Ah, who is this? Is that you, Pete? I can't hear you properly. Matthew! It's essential you stop the car immediately. Uh, without the hearing aid. What's going on, but I'm switching to GK2. No! Matthew! Changing to GK2. No! And Matthew pulls out the cable just in time 
So instead of an almighty explosion, our driver guy just has a, a nasty crash. Well, no, actually not too bad. Clearly he's a better driver than that other guy they hired. Yes. Walk to the pits and tell them to analyze the contents of the second tank. I think you'll find it contains something very different from GK2. And that's it. Um, presumably Matthew was recovered safely. Father, why can't he eat in the kitchen like he always does? This is a very special occasion. Oh yes, and uh, Mrs. Appleby doesn't like, doesn't like Matthew. You mean he's seen the light? Let's just again never established on television why that is, but uh, it was it was established in the, the comic strip. Please. Oh yes, father. Of course. It's lunchtime, and we have ah uh, carrots. Oh dear. That's right, carrots. Carrots are full of vitamin A. Doctor Clam telephoned. He said I wasn't to let you neglect your diet. Carrots oh, indeed. So as uh, Father Owen munches down on his uh, four carrot lunch. We say goodbye to the Secret Service and the Cure, and that is, well, it's, I don't know, because at the, at the end of the day, I, I kind of feel like I have to grade the Secret Service in a slightly different way to any other Anderson show, because it, it is just so unusual. Uh, on the whole, I do like that one, though. There aren't too many uh, sort of dull spots. I really like the, the um, the fact that we've got two settings that we've never really seen in an Anderson show before, the health farm and the racetrack, and they are integrated fairly well. This is a thought, actually. What happened to, uh... What happened to Seikoff? He... Where, where did he go? Oh, yeah, he seems to have uh, left the story. Our main villain. Um, we don't know what happened to him. So, well, that's obviously a, a fairly significant plot hole unless it's something I waffled over. On the whole though, this is another enjoyable episode of the Secret Service. It's just they are so difficult to um, to grade on any level of quality because they are so absolutely bonkers. I prefer to just kind of sit back and uh, and let the bonkers kind of wash over me. And uh, yeah, it's been a rather in another very enjoyable washing of madness from the Secret Service. Disney folk, greedy most and welcome. That episode oh. of the Secret Survey from uh, us, Sticky Jimmy's <laughs> and Jimmy Andy Bold, eh? Yeah. Oh, lovely. Oh, folly, folly, Very folly. Nice. Yeah. Heartwarming folly, appreciation folly. from uh, Chrissy Dale there for all the Listy folk City at home. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't do it. It's so ridiculous. That's very it good. Is That's so, great. so Isn't ridiculous. It? Isn't it? How did he do that? But I don't know. Genius. It's sort of brilliant, but. Yeah, really is. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's no flexible Excel five, is it? Ah, oh, very good. And no, I'd, I'd much I, if we can. Uh, I prefer an episode of Space Polyrosas, possibly. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, <laughs> it was fine. It was fine. Oh, lovely, lovely. Thanks, yeah, Chris. Very nice. <sighs> now, that to the church, I think, is quite nearby me, isn't it? It is. Yes. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been, but I should at least have a, a drive past one day, shouldn't I? You absolutely should. Take a quick selfie. Yeah, go uh, go and speak to my knees outside the exact selfie bold. Oh dear! Yeah, if anybody's that. listening to that for the first time, they're going to think, "What on earth is this yeah, absolute nonsense?" It might encourage them to go and you know look at an episode of the Secret Service. Um. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe not so wise. 
yeah. Anyway, so uh, Chris will be back next week for our next good. audio plod, uh, which uh, oh, terminos with the scrambly scramble scramble box from Chris Daliode. Um, no, that's I, there's no more of that. That's, that's, that's very good. To- I'm enjoying it. I, I, it's stupid. Uh, <laughs> Chris, thank you so much. Uh, yeah. Secret Service is bizarre but wonderful. Richard James, anything else? I've, no. I've scrambled. Scrabble yes. loaded my brain, so you really have, yeah, yeah. yeah no, that, that's it for now. Uh, but Tina, plenty more next week, I have no doubt. Uh, good, I can't wait. In the meantime, please email us podcast at jerryanderson.co.uk. Make sure you're subscribed. I think it's now called following on Apple Podcasts. I don't know what it's Ooh, called elsewhere, but make sure you right. followed this podcast. Okay. Also, yeah. that you've rated and reviewed it, please. We love yeah, yeah, your yeah, very yeah. kind yeah. reviews, and we yeah. are very upset Skip when we read your ones. rubbish yeah. reviews, so yeah. don't bother with those. Uh, but yes, I guess we'll see you in pod 167, which will be next week. And uh, until then, have a wonderful time. Bye for now. Au revoir. Stage one complete. Let's go. You see, I went on with ease and then I, I slipped into then French. Or French. Why? Why? <laughs> Makes no sense at all. Uh, Much like the rest of the podcast. I've got absolutely no idea. But I just it just reminded me this so Jack Knoll yes. sent in that list of uh Unwinnie's show titles. Ah. Do you remember? Right. It, yeah, yeah. They were for if you've forgotten them or missed them, uh Thunderbold, Cappy Sublet, <laughs> Flexibold XL five, <laughs> Terry great. Horns, Moonbase Bang Bang nineteen ninety nine. Space Body <laughs> Rosers and the Secret Survey. Lovely. Uh, aren't they They're lovely? All really good. Yeah. yeah. Maybe now they should go on a t shirt, surely. <laughs> Just that list. Just that list in plain black down the front. I fear they would sell fewer than the Captain yeah. Scarlet yeah. uh, human sized hats, uh, but not yeah, quite as few right. as the Officer Orin underpants. Oh. Oh, I see. Sorry. Sorry to oh, break right, that okay. to you. I mean, I'd well, buy them. And you'd buy yeah, them, but you? then would you feel weird about me wearing pants with your face on? Well, not really your face, but your head. Um, mm, yes. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it that far, to be honest, but yeah, yeah it's a bit I'm, strange. I'm isn't starting it? to feel a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. I think the listeners are too. Bit, to be honest. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Okay, well, should we leave that there and yeah. uh, move on? And I'll see you next week for 167. All right, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Bit awkward. I probably won't wear so, any pants at all then. Uh, right. Oh, I made it weirder. Okay, bye. Yeah. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to the Jerry Anderson Podcast. Wasn't it fun? You have been listening to an Anderson Entertainment production.